0: Welcome to Central Line, the AHA! podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your
1: host, Dr. Katie Berlin.
0: Dr. Kathy Cooney, thank you so much for coming by.
1: Thank you. What a joy. I love Connexity every year. You know, this is my first Conexity and it is the best time. I love these people. I meet new people and I get to have great conversations and I'm always energized. Yeah,
0: there is really good energy here. I am um, I I don't know where I've been for the, for, for the last few years, because I, I definitely love it here. I, you know, now I work for aha, uh-huh, so I, but I don't have to say that <laughs> um, I do really love it. And I'm so glad that you're here and you love it too. Um, you
1: actually did a whole day of workshops yesterday. Yeah. Five hours on yep. the end of life. We started the day with our memorialization workshop. First time I'd ever mm-hmm. done that before brought in products from different companies around the world actually. And we got to color, we got to make paw prints we got to just create beauty in a time of sadness that was our theme for it and then the second hour we did emotionally intelligent euthanasia which is one of my favorite topics right now in end of life just building awareness around best practices with euthanasia and being very mindful of what we're feeling during the appointment. And then in the afternoon, we did a three-hour workshop on end-of-life communication. We had mostly veterinarians and technicians in the room, but the Companion Animal Euthanasia Training Academy is also working on building this particular workshop for support staff because they don't get a lot of training in how to have these difficult conversations, how to greet somebody when they're sad walking into the building. And we think that's a really vital new aspect of training for the sports staff is on end of life yeah that's
0: absolutely that's so true um and i think that's a really really valuable space um that you're creating there for Thank them you. um and i hear rave reviews from your
1: workshops yesterday so. it was a good group and we had yeah. a lot of people all five hours oh wow to devote that day on thursday so yeah. kudos to all of them and they were very curious, you know, mm-hmm. they wanted to know better ways to communicate. They wanted to create that safety uh, so that clients could open up about what they were feeling and what they're going through. So I appreciated that curious spirit, that very generous spirit with the story sharing that they gave and uh, yeah, it was it was just a great day. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, um,
0: We already talked a little bit. I think people are getting an idea, but would you mind for people who aren't familiar with you, uh, introducing yourself and just letting everyone know what it is you do and what
1: brought you to Connexity? Absolutely. So I'm a veterinarian now, 18 years found my love and my passion in the end-of-life space. And so I've been uh, started out really as private practice, moved into mobile practice, and then specialized in end-of-life and euthanasia in particular. Grew into hospice, started a pet crematory, which was aquamation, the water-based cremation. And about, oh, six years ago now, yeah, started the Companion Animal Euthanasia Training Academy. And this group provides outstanding education in companion animal euthanasia. To improve the overall experience for the pet, first and foremost, for the caregiver or pet owner, and then for the veterinary team, right? When we know better, we do better. Yeah. So the CADA program, as it's also called, trains veterinary professionals from all over the world. And we've got a 10 hour master program. We have over 30 hours of online content for the entire veterinary team. And likely in 2023, we're gonna grow that education to include the pet owner as well, to empower them to make better decisions around euthanasia, increased pre-planning, and everything that just builds for a better experience as far as they're concerned. The other thing that CADA does, besides our master program and our online content, we have a huge CADA community with our Facebook group, with what we call our U Boosters, where we meet every single month and just brainstorm, talk ideas, good Q and A. Within that community, we also do a lot of research, and we figure that at this at this day and age, with the growth of the human-animal bond and advancing medicine that's out there, we need to start to do better research about what defines a good death, what are those techniques that take away pain and anxiety guaranteed every time, and, and just really protect the appointment, protect this procedure, through and through from all aspects. So that I guess, in a nutshell, is what CADA is. And I'll, I guess I should also probably say that we're a small group, right? We're a, we're a small pebble in a big in a big beach, trying to make change and hope that everybody that's listening, if you feel like you can do better with euthanasia, come find us. We'll help. Love it.
0: You know, listening to you talk about
1: about that just
0: it reminds me of something that another guest on the podcast said. Um, Dr. Lynn Hendricks um she had said that uh you know euthanasia is something that um that every veterinarian can perform you know and veterinarians and veterinary technicians perform euthanasia all the time and it seems like it's a new philosophy that there's a good way to do it that it's not just like another thing that you do in the course of your day and that devoting time and brainstorming sessions and training programs and certifications and developing guidelines for doing it better um, it's you know is it necessary in the sense of is it a medical necessity no because you could get the euthanasia done without that but i love the focus now that's on all of the other aspects of euthanasia um, the communication that you had three hours to talk about yesterday, um, making memorials for people to take home, understanding that the entire veterinary team needs to be part of that experience. And it's not just a matter of like ushering clients into the room and then hiding them in there so that no one sees them crying. Um, and it really just takes the experience itself and makes it, um, in and of itself, something really beautiful. And I do think that euthanasias have been some of the most beautiful appointments and interactions that i've ever had as a vet Um, but it to some people outside the profession especially that sounds weird Um, and Mm -hmm. and your group obviously doesn't think it's
1: weird at all and i just love that we're willing to go there yeah Yeah. we're willing to talk about it and euthanasia is so private to your point that it seems a little taboo to talk about it Mm -hmm. to bring it out but that's changing yeah and to your point about what's so important to the family that's it's the difference between euthanasia and companion animal euthanasia right who's the other one at the end of that leash and how is this death going to impact them so cata recently completed a pet owner survey asking what do you think is a good death And of the top four, only really a couple of them, two of them, I guess 50% were method or technique related. The rest was help with them wanting to be there. So I guess I'll just roll through the top four if that's okay. So uh, number one was that they wanted to be with their pet all the way through and never be separated. Yeah. Traditionally in vet med, it's common to bring the pet back to the treatment area to place a catheter and i really appreciate that in fact the avma said many many years ago that it's good practice to place an iv catheter that's really safe so i appreciate that part of it but what the owners want is if that iv catheter is going to be placed it should be done in the room with them and believe me that's kind of scary right? Because now we're doing a bit more of this medical procedure with them, including those preparations. So they want to be together. They don't want to be separated. That was really number one. They don't want then pain and anxiety for their pet. That's really important. And the third one was that they appreciate pre-euthanasia sedation. That helps to reduce down that pain and anxiety. So they want their pet sleeping in those final moments. And then the fourth one was assistance with pre-planning. They want to know what euthanasia is going to be like. They want to know how they can honor that bond and create a bit of a pseudo funeral, which again is the difference between euthanasia and companion animal euthanasia. So the reason that Kata did this survey was to help to define a good death from the pet owner perspective, as well as then the veterinary perspective. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a second survey right now, asking veterinarians, how do you define a good death? That will actually close in September of 2022 here. And then we're going to compare the two together and come up with those best practices now that nobody can ignore, Mm -hmm. right? To say, we know this is what the owners want. This is what they expect. And now veterinarians, it's our job to align with that. And hopefully the takeaway is that euthanasia can be a beautiful part of the day. Mm -hmm. We're doing it right. We're doing it for the right reasons. First and foremost, we always want to make sure that euthanasia is warranted, but that euthanasia doesn't have to be something that we navigate away from, shy away from, to say, wow, we've got an opportunity here to make a big difference for this family. We can create a gentle death for this pet, which is first and foremost so important, and use euthanasia as a balm in a maybe busy day and to slow down and to connect at such a deep level. That to me is one of the biggest takeaways of everything that we do right now in vet med and trying to create a better world Is to say, euthanasia is not going anywhere. Mm. So let's make it the best it possibly can be.
0: So yeah, that. I was going to ask you what a better world looks like in vet med to you, and and it's one obviously where euthanasia doesn't have to be an experience that people are scared of talking about, or
1: that they're scared of performing. Right. That it doesn't have to be a failure mm. of any sort. It's not necessarily a traditional treatment option, as we say, but it's it is an option that mm. we have to have these conversations with families, and and we can come to a good decision together a good resolution that this is in everyone's best interest and then embrace it Mm -hmm. and create meaning from it and things like the way that we memorialize and pay tribute where we get to sit and share stories and Mm -hmm. again see that uh, beauty right in front of us which for a lot of veterinarians when they're performing euthanasia they might not have a lot of that backstory Mm -hmm. right it might not be that womb to tomb cradle to grave, birth to earth relationship. It might be a non-client that we're just meeting for the first time, where we get to sit down, establish that rapport, build that connection, and then be in that world together for 30 minutes, for an hour, hour and a half, whatever that euthanasia is gonna be. And and just, again, find the beauty in it, find the joy. It, for me, is what's kept me very sustained mm. in vetmed. Right. It hasn't been a drain, it's been quite the opposite. So fortunately, through groups like CADA and, and the other organizations that I'm a part of, we're definitely spreading that message.
0: Here at AHA, we're proud of our guidelines, but we know what it's really like to be in practice. We know, for example, that maybe you read the guidelines but your colleague doesn't, or you read the guidelines but the doctor you're working with doesn't, or you might want to present what you learned in the guidelines at a team meeting, but team meetings, am I right? Well, our free implementation toolkits are designed to give your team the tools they need to adapt the guidelines to your unique practice. Check out our tips for technicians and CSRs, handy charts and infographics, and downloadable pet owner pages. You'll also find links to podcast episodes, a quiz and other related resources that can help your team do what only they can do. Bring the AHA guidelines to life in your practice. To download our free pain management toolkit supported by Zoetis, go to aha.org pain-management and click toolkit and be on the lookout for canine vaccination, working dog and senior care toolkits coming very soon. While you were talking, I was thinking about uh euthanasias that I've been, been in on, you know, and patients that I've known a long time or owners that I knew well, and um, things that I knew about that relationship that made them special. And I remember all of those, you know, because I knew those stories and because those stories were running through my head while I was performing this euthanasia, while we were we were talking before and after. And I absolutely loved the idea of sitting for an hour and talking. Um, but obviously, in a, in a busy clinic setting, that's not built into the schedule. Do you see, right. as, as we have more and more of these conversations and people realize that euthanasia can be done better and differently, do you see us moving to more of a system where most euthanasias that we can plan for are not done in a busy clinic setting or that they have a separate service for that so that those staff members are? Can, can spare that time? What a great question.
1: First of all, veterinarians who love a good story can only be there for so much of the time, you know, unless they're a specialist like myself back in the day, and certainly even now at my comfort center in Colorado, Where I'm the end all be all, it's just Mm -hmm. me, right? And so there are a lot of veterinarians that are listening that might be mobile, that might have an end of life service, you know, completely, and that's the way that they design their euthanasia experience. In a traditional hospital, especially for those that are AHA accredited and have gone through extra training too. They may have heard about this concept of a euthanasia attendant. It is somebody on the team who can walk the journey with the family from beginning to end to be that point person, that light in the dark, that light in the grief that a family is going through that, uh, can, can yeah, very much be a shepherd and a guide where other people in the team can come in and out of that euthanasia experience but not be there for the whole time. Mm-hmm. The reality is that the veterinarian may only be in the room with the family for five to 10 minutes, just depending. So it might be a CSR or other support staff, certainly the veterinary, a nursing team, they're the ones who are often present for euthanasia. And that's just fine. As long as compassion is that common thread, which is so important for the family, and that the family feels that reassurance and that that bond and, the, and that connection that everybody agrees that this is the right choice, then that's going to be that takeaway message that that family needs. So it, it doesn't have to be you know, disjointed, having lots of people moving in and throughout, but the euthanasia attendant can be somebody that can kind of ground the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And vet med in general has an opportunity to to reignite a passion for our profession, if you will, by delivering that really, really good death. We have a good life with our patients; that's our goal, and then to then deliver that good death puts that perfect little tap on that experience and that's our remembering self Mm -hmm. i'm kind of getting off on a tangent here but that's Mm -hmm. our remembering self is you know we can do everything perfect throughout the life of this patient and then mess up euthanasia Mm -hmm. right the family will remember that yeah they will forget about all the other wonderful stuff that happened so we have an opportunity to get it right we should take that opportunity and leverage the team completely right Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be an all or nothing for one person yeah
0: Okay, I have one more question. for yeah. you. Um, so we'll actually I have two more questions. <laughs> so I have lots of questions, mm-hmm. but I have two more right now. One is with increased involvement of the veterinary team, because I've definitely been at practices where it was almost all me, you know, the veterinarian goes in and the technician might help place a catheter. But like, you know, at the end, it's you and the client and the pet. Um, and the veterinarian really bore that burden on their own. And um, with more team members involved. It's more team members seeing what they might feel very Mm -hmm. affected by. Um, Do you see that as being something where if you're introducing more team members into the equation, you also need to provide more support for them um as far as their emotional well-being for processing after not having to compartmentalize so quickly and go right into the next room play with the new puppy you know these things are learned skills i think and that's a great uh, question yeah how do you see that working in kind of your your average veterinary team where
1: this might not be the norm yet yeah the average veterinary team is going to have touch points with death throughout their day regularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember going to a hospital recently and I saw that the deceased pet was brought back to the treatment area and that's where it was placed in its designated branded beautiful cadaver bag and, and tagged and identified and placed in the cooler ready for the crematory. And I got to thinking that is a death touch point. Mm -hmm. What an opportunity to maybe shift that to the comfort room. Right. Mm-hmm. Wherever the pet was in its final passing, let's go ahead and, and c- kind of contain that in that space. So, to your point, yeah, if we're going to be bringing other people in for that euthanasia experience, that is a potential for a little grief burst in the day, which can be hard on the staff. My, my takeaway or I guess recommendation for that is if we're approaching euthanasia the right way, it's a increased opportunity and chance for again, recognizing the beauty of the human-animal bond and and seeing death in a positive light. Mm-hmm. That again, it's not a failure. So I think it's more about the culture of the team as a whole mm-hmm. and saying, what a beautiful soul. How can we pay tribute? What can we do to talk a little bit about this, this animal that has touched our lives? and put that positive spin. That is me through and through. What's this positive spin? How can we create a legacy off this little darling? Yeah. So, but the risk is there if we don't have a culture that views it in that way. So with that in mind, every team should have a euthanasia team training manual. That's something that the CATA program does a lot of where we where we discuss what our culture is going to be around death. How are we going to view it? How are we going to approach it? How are we going to train in it? That is that is job one for a hospital manager I think to say we need to shift the narrative on death. And with that in mind, you know, also leveraging the experts that are out there. So mm-hmm. if it does feel like a lot for, you know, either the whole team or some on the team, asking them, how comfortable are you with death? Let's go there, right? Let's ask that question even in the, in the onboarding process is tell me what's important to you. Tell me what some of your concerns are on when they're hiring and get to that space where they're putting people in the right seats, not forcing them to be in situations that are uncomfortable. If it's an uncomfortable situation, again, let's shift the narrative to try to make it more comfortable. Uh, with that in mind as well as leveraging other experts that are out there. So specialists with home euthanasia, with hospice, to say that we don't have to be everything to to all families. Let's let's draw upon those experts and have them do more end of life work. And also with aftercare as well, let's leverage these aftercare facilities that are so good at grief support and to, to find out what's important for the family, for cremation needs, for memorialization, for all of, all of that. We have really good pet crematories around the world that are ready to serve. Yeah, you you had mentioned aquamation
0: too, um, which is really interesting. We had a trends article recently on that, um, yes. and uh, and other aftercare options. And I think that's just so fascinating because to me the the thing I worked as a vet assistant before, well, while I was in school in the summers, and um, the thing that I hated doing the most was putting the body in a bag. Afterwards, I could get through the euthanasia, um, even as a vet, I could get through the euthanasia. But if I saw that pet afterwards lying there somebody had left it alone for too long um, without taking care of it or um you know got called away to do something and it was in a room alone or uh, we had a technician one time who wanted to practice procedures after euthanasia and we had a whole discussion about why that was not okay Mm. Um, and for me it was seeing the pet afterwards that was the hardest and so the aftercare conversation i think was has always been the hardest for me because i didn't want to think about that i didn't want to think about the after i could get through the during and the before and see the beauty in that But the after was very hard for me and i have to think
1: i'm not the only one i am just gonna say <laughs> not the only one yeah yeah and you know it's part of the reason that these pet owners want more help with pre-planning is yeah. because we as a veterinary culture don't often want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we encourage teams to have more information on their website about end of life care, to have links to the local crematories so that they can so pet owners can do their own research mm-hmm. and find out what's important to them. But I'm really proud of one of our colleagues Dr. Celine Lahartu, out of Canada who actually created EuthaBag, bag, which is a designated branded cadaver bag mm-hmm. for that exact purpose, right? Because when we know better, we do better and define beauty in a time of sadness. What a great experience example of that is, that if we are going to be working with these pets, let's take care of them with the most respect possible. And if we and our veterinary hospital find that we don't have the time to devote to it like we want to, again, let's leverage the aftercare teams to come in and shine and do what they do so well. But I think our takeaway from all of this is certainly that there's ample opportunity to learn more about euthanasia best practices, about ethical pet aftercare, and the way that we can elevate this experience experience from beginning to end. And we don't have to shy away from it. Let's embrace it. Absolutely. Um,
0: that's, that's a beautiful sentiment. And I think, um, AHA obviously agrees because, um, you've been instrumental in helping us develop the, um, end of life care accreditation program, um, and the, uh, uh, end of life care guidelines, which you were, chaired the task force, correct?
1: So with, the aha's end of life accreditation program, yes, that was a, that was a big role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Good group of people, fun from beginning to end. Yeah. And we built something great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I encourage listeners to explore that. And I'm a part of Caring pathways on their chief medical officer mm-hmm. and we're the flagship end of life accredited practice. That's so right. Really proud of that. And then I was also involved with end of life standards, and as a whole, and that came out, I think, about 2016. So that's been a really good document that mm-hmm. has changed a lot of lives, and uh, yeah. So just very happy with this partnership with AHA, and excited to see that they were that they were eager to get into this industry, into this particular field, even though it's small. End of life care is growing for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Cooney, thank you so much for coming by. It's been wonderful to meet you Uh, face-to-face. We see each other on Teams calls a lot. So um, this has been really nice, and hopefully we'll talk again soon because I know there's so much more to talk about here. And um, we have new senior care guidelines coming out early next year, and um, this is a topic I think we definitely need to work into how we talk about senior pets, how we serve them and their families. Thank
1: you. Thank you to AHA. You're absolutely the best. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.